actually had to go and that gummit dog go away i'm podcasting <laughs> the dog comes up and her tail is going thump 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 against the wall so everybody and welcome back to another episode of the cloud whispers i'm david broussard and i'm brian cheatham hey it's good to see you again brian how you been doing lately doing well doing well it's uh, raining a bit outside right now so if anybody hears the pitter pattering of things on the window that's what it is oh well you know it, it rains so often in san antonio right i mean yeah no no it never rains in san antonio that's 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 the fun part I always tell people when you live in South Texas, unless you're going down the street in a canoe, we can always use the rain. And even (laughs) then, sometimes we can still use the rain. Yeah. So tell me, Brian, what have you been up to lately? So I've been storing all of my PowerShell scripts and everything that I've written over the years in OneNote. And I've always told myself that, you know, I need a different place to store my PowerShell scripts. What? One note so is the perfect place to store that stuff? Are you kidding yeah, me? When you, when you start copying and pasting it into directly into PowerShell, sometimes you have <laughs> formatting issues. <laughs> You're going to work around the formatting issues. So. Yep. So yep. I thought to myself, where is a good place to store PowerShell scripts? So I started looking around and everybody was talking about GitHub. And I'm like, hmm, GitHub, okay, so I can do that. And then I'm like, you know, I'm tired of the PowerShell ISE. You know, I'm tired of the, the built-in IDE. <laughs> For PowerShell. Um, they don't like the colors in it and all that. And I've seen some people doing this think, in visual. I think I think you can change the colors, by the way. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Well, I, I went cooler than that. <laughs> visual Studio Code. And then I installed the Git, um, basically the, uh, the Git libraries mm-hmm. on top of that. So you can directly check in uh, code to GitHub via the Visual Studio Code interface. You and know, I can I'm, even have branches and all of that too. So I, I'm I so proud of you, Brian. You are going to become a developer yet. We're <laughs> we're going to ha- we're going to have you writing some .NET code in the near future, and maybe even building like an SPFX web part or something. This is going to be <laughs> your, and then your transition to the dark side will be complete. <laughs> I was doing Python last time, so I know, know it's going to happen. I tell you, it's that that that's pretty awesome. That that's cool, man. I'm I'm glad to hear so, that. So how about you, David? What have you been up to lately? Well, you know, going with your your uh, GitHub stuff, um, this week I, I actually participated in the uh, Sharing is Caring PNP uh, intro call that uh, David Warner and, and Hugo Bernier run. And uh, they taught Excellent. us how to go out to Microsoft DevDocs, so docs.microsoft.com, which are by the way, great documentation compared to what it used to be like. They really oh, are yeah, very no, good. Light years. One yeah. of the reasons they're very good is that you, as a member of the community, right, as a consumer of this, you can actually go out and update them when you find issues. And so they taught us how to go out and actually update the dev docs. If you find an error, if you want to fix something, they taught us yeah. how to go through, edit the document, and then create what's called a pull request because it's all integrated with GitHub, right? Yep. So I've got I've got an account in GitHub, and it lets you then go out and update this and submit it, and then somebody will review it, and if it works, they'll merge the changes in and and put your things out there. And so 
you know, I learned that stuff yesterday. And then today I was, I was looking at some, uh, a page inside of there and I went, Hey, this stuff isn't right. The, 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 the sort order they have on these things doesn't look right to me. And it wasn't consistent yeah. in the different areas. And so I went out and made the changes and I submitted my very first pull request. And, uh, cool. I, I'm, I'm looking forward now to find out if that gets approved uh, they said, you know, don't don't expect it to happen immediately, right? It, it can right. take a little while before it actually takes place. But I'm hoping then that that'll actually go out and do that, and that's actually a pretty cool experience. Uh, I, I really, you know, it, I I kept not getting involved in this stuff, uh, even though David Warner is a is a colleague of mine at, at Catapult, uh, because it always seemed like it was just everything that you had to do to do that kind of stuff was always dev related, right? I had to write some right. kind of code, and and. I, while I used to write code, um, I just don't anymore uh, for a lot of different reasons. I, my passions are different in different places. Yeah, and so sure. it took a little bit for me to, to and, and he was pointing out, but hey, David, you do all this other stuff. You could fix these things. And I'm like, oh, that, that's got to be way too difficult. And then he shot, he shot us how to do it. And I'm like, oh, man, this is really cool. I want to do this all the time now. Well, maybe not all the time, but but we'll do yeah, that. They kick, they'd kick me out. <laughs> they'd they'd <laughs> turn my account off. <laughs> no, no, because it all gets approved. So, you know, it, it somebody has to actually go through and say, yes, what you wrote actually made sense. Right. So, yeah. Very so, cool so, Brian, we have a guest today. Uh, and, and this is, and by the way, this is our 20th episode. So th for those of you that have been with us from, from the very, very beginning, thank you very much. But we have a guest today. Today we have Sean McDonough, who is joining us, and he's going to talk to us about some tech stuff that he's been doing at home. So Sean, welcome to the Cloud Whispers. Thank you, David. And how's it going, Brian? Very good. Very good. Nice to have you. Uh, it's good to be here. So Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where you're from. Sure. So my name's Sean McDonough. I'm from I'm actually from Norwalk, Connecticut, but been living in Cincinnati for the last 30 years, 35 years maybe. Um, I went to we ended up moving out here just before I was in high school, mm -hmm. uh, actually into a town east of here. It's the seat of Highland County called Hillsboro. Mm -hmm. And people in this area, if you go to Hillsboro, you're familiar with it. It's either because you have gotten lost in the backwoods of Ohio. <laughs> Or you've gone boating on Rocky Fork Lake. Uh, ah, so okay. that's Hillsborough's claim to fame, if there is such cool. a thing. One advantage you've had in Ohio is that you have had the signal honor of being completely inundated with political ads every two, every every four years, right? <laughs> you wouldn't know if we were a battleground <laughs> state. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's shaping up and it's messy out there. So, yeah, we, uh, we get calls all day long all night long oh my gosh um, we still have a landline at home because my wife wants to keep it and i really just think it's a source of spam uh, i get the emails too so i've learned to kind of tune it out but yeah you're right we are in the middle of it well that's cool so. well I, you know living in texas and I've, I've lived in texas since 1986 um it is it's kind of the opposite. It's it's not really been a battleground state for a long time, although that may be changing. You never know. But yeah, I never see political commercials. And, mm. and I'm kind of like, I'd like to see some of these things. And lately, I've been, we've been seeing a few of them. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really want to see these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've got all new avenues to them. I, I oh. You know, it used to just be, you think, commercials. It might be radio or television. Uh, but my kids, who their entertainment comes from watching YouTube videos and 
you know, oh, game man. playthroughs and everything. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, I saw this ad for XYZ. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so they're getting inundated. It's like video game streams? Apparently so. Apparently uh, yeah, so. Not everything. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I'll tell you, Sean, one of the reasons that, uh, uh, you know, you, you and I have known each other for a while, and one thing I've always liked about you is you have the best nerd shirts, okay? <laughs> Uh, and, 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 so, uh, and so in your honor, I actually, and I'm going to stand up so that you guys can see it. I'm wearing my, one of my favorite nerd shirts here. I love that shirt. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to describe it. It's, um, my son gave it to me about three or four years ago for father's day. And it's a picture of Darth Vader and some stormtroopers, and they're getting a selfie taken. And in the background, <laughs> Chewbacca's photo bombing them and holding up this big red foam rebels. Number one. <laughs> and the, the funniest part about it is I didn't even notice Chewbacca was in there when I got the shirt. And oh, it wow. wasn't until like the second or third time I warned it when somebody said, man, Chewbacca's awesome. And I'm like, Chewbacca? That's Darth. Oh, Chewbacca Son is back a... there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah I, the best the best uh, Star Wars shirt I think we've got in the house is the one I got for my wife. It said, come to the dark side. We've got cookies. Oh, yes. <laughs> and right. I've got That's the variant, the, the developer variant. Now that I think about it, come to the dark side. We have global variables for all Ooh. the JavaScript programmers. <laughs> Well, but, you know, developers have cookies, too, if you're a web developer. So it's kind this of the same true. thing. Kind of the same thing. True so, enough. So, Sean, we, we've invited you on today primarily <laughs> because you have done something that most people only dream of, okay? <laughs> I, mean, do, I mean, if you're a tech person, you dream of this kind of thing. So Sean has done something absolutely amazing. He has installed a fiber backbone in his house. Okay. And so it is. And so there's really only one question that has to be asked about this. Why the heck would you install a fiber backbone in your house? (laughs) Well, you know, as we discussed a little bit, it's, there's certainly the bragging rights associated with it. Uh, (laughs) You have those. (laughs) Yeah. And the price tag that goes with those bragging rights. That's, that's one of the things I learned along the way. You have an extra room, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've got a very big house, so I can be, you know, uh, banished to various quarters and things like that. <laughs> but um, no, I I wanted so I've always had a rather large home network uh, back in the days before we had cloud services and whatnot. I would take old PCs and repurpose them as servers. And I know I posted this on my blog a handful of times over the years, different snapshots of my home network or what I call my home data center um, (laughs) in various stages. You know, I'm getting down to a handful of machines now, but the machines I've got are running what I would consider to be uh, not cloud friendly, either from a workload perspective or just a potential cost perspective, thinking Mm -hmm. about IO and the amount of data you want to store. So I, I still store that downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years I've started, I have upgraded my network several times. I went from fast ethernet to uh, a gigabit backbone a number of years back. And that was, you know, that was significant upgrade and required, uh, retooling with new switches, um, new NICs in the, the servers, uh, because, you know, this is back before anybody put gig NICs in anything. Yeah. Right. So uh, that was, you know, quite some time ago, and I took up actually the the fiber backbone kind of rose out of uh, another upgrade project I was doing, which was I decided to upgrade all my cabling 
Um, I had Cat 5e um, mm-hmm. for pretty much everything. And I didn't know for a fact that it was slowing some things down, but I suspected certain runs um, were uh, maybe suffering some degradation and I wasn't seeing throughput like I thought I should, especially given the gear I've got. So I actually upgraded to, um, I didn't even know Cat 7 cable was available at that point, but Cat 7 cable, at least the Cat 7 cable I've got, uh, is flat, so you can run it under carpets if you want. Um, Ooh, it's yeah. it, it's different than the the old UTP, you know, Cat 5e type stuff that would be a, a kind of a thick cable. This was ribbon thin, and it it folded up pretty well. So I hmm. bought a bunch of this and rewired everything, and so I got to the point where I actually had better wiring than I needed. And I'm like, I really my main workstation is on the first floor of the house here. Um, and the basement data center is of course in the basement, the floor below me. <laughs> Many of the things I do all day are shuttling data to and from my network. Um, of course, I've yeah. got my standard internet connection uh, and I've got gig fiber out to uh, Cincinnati Bell, which is nice. But the I do a lot of editing of audio and video as I suspect you guys probably do too. I do quite a bit of that, and so I'm moving large files um, onto network machines a lot. And there's a night and day difference between um, fast Ethernet and gig Ethernet. And gig Ethernet, eventually you get spoiled, and it's still too slow. (laughs) So you're like, I want to move it faster. And so thus began the uh, fiber project the quest for fiber the quest for fiber <laughs> and it all you know i built my new uh 32 core thread ripper system uh, a short time ago and i noticed that it had um a 10 gig capable ethernet card in it or ethernet port that's built into the motherboard as well as a standard gigabit it's a standard gigabit yeah um so that 10 gig i'm like huh well, what does it take to use this? Well, you've got to have a switch that's capable on um, the RJ45 ports to handle 10 gig. But what about the rest of the networking gear? And yeah. I had started replacing, not that anything was wrong with my networking gear, and I've got some good stuff to fall back on, but um, I'd really fallen in love with the Ubiquity Netgear, or Ubiquity uh, yeah. um, switches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I swapped out a bunch of, I swapped out my core switch as well as a few of the periphery switches. And the panel and the dashboard that you get as an administrator is just amazing. I had a, a Cisco um, switch, or I still have that switch, but um, it did have, it had nothing like what the Ubiquity switches. Yeah. The mobile uh, app is amazing. It's just awesome. Yeah, and I had been familiar with it. I swapped out my uh, networking, my wireless networking gear for an Amplify mesh network um, initially. And Amplify is uh, kind of the consumer grade ubiquity um, yep. wireless stuff. And we've been really happy with that. And so I'm like, well, let me go to these switches. And so I put a, a 24 port downstairs and I noticed it had the fiber ports on it. And I'm like, hmm. I wonder how I would use these. 
and thus began the search for <laughs> the right way to use those. And it was not perfect at first. I thought those SFP ports were SFP plus capable. So SFP will get you up to gigabit, which of course I had anyway over standard cabling, but SFP plus can get you the next several steps up, you know, 2.5, 5, and 10 gigabit per second. Um, and I, I bought Ubiquity switch downstairs and I'm trying to wire this and I, I'm running it from the switch I had up here on the first floor down the stairs and I'm like, I'm only getting gig. What am I doing wrong? And that's when Dan Usher, Dan is a, a big legend in the SharePoint community, Office 365. Dan's like, uh, you've only got an SFP port, you know, one gig capable. I'm like, no, I don't. I've, oh no. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I, I think he said he made some similar mistake. And so to get the 10 gig capable ports, I ended up returning, I was going to do some power over Ethernet stuff because most of these switches are PoE switches. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, let's take all that back. I'm probably not going to use that and I'm going to need it to get the next level up. So I ended up buying a 48 port switch for downstairs, <laughs> which has SFP, SFP plus capability, two different ports, and it's got two sets of them. So there's wow. my 10 gig port, yeah, in the basement. And up here, I've got uh, a Unify uh, 6, XG6POE, I think. it's. <laughs> and if you go out, it's the I need this up here because it also has uh, two different uh, fiber ports. One of them, or I think both of them are 10 gig, 10 gig capable. So that gets me my 10 gig connection to downstairs. But then it's got the... 10 gig capable ethernet ports so i can run oh. from my workstation oh my and so gosh. i'm trying to build a path that'll get me and i i ended up buying a uh, 10 gig capable uh nick for the one machine where a lot of the stuff goes back and forth so i'm hoping when i install that i'll be able to get that 10 gig connection from source to destination and vice versa uh, okay. Because that's about all you can really do with it. Um, mm -hmm. Because I only have so many uh, gig capable or 10 gig capable ports and whatnot. But this this PO, uh, 6 POE X whatever by Ubiquity, it's another one that really was a kick in the teeth when I ordered that. Um, because I had to go directly to their site. I ended up buying a lot of this gear at Micro Center um, mm -hmm. locally. Yeah. Um, but they didn't, Micro Center didn't have anything that was uh, doing 10 gig um, Ethernet. So I ordered this from Ubiquity. And, you know, for a switch that's got one, two, three, it's got four Ethernet ports and two optical ports. It is a real killer. It's like a $500 switch. Yeah. Um, mm. Which hurts. It hurts a lot, but yeah, yeah I was going to say, otherwise you got to buy one of those 48 pointers like you have downstairs to put it upstairs <laughs> as well. I, right? And I think oh, where the hell that should cover, that? David, that should cover all the devices you have in your house, right? The 48, <laughs> the 48 ports. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that would actually work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not sure the price tag would work for me on that one. If, if the six port is 
is five hundred dollars. I I just shudder to think how expensive that forty eight point port one must cost. So uh, the forty eight port one. I mean, it was it was a little bit more than the six port one. But the thing that makes the six port one as expensive as it as it is are those ten gig Ethernet ports. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the because the forty eight port switch downstairs, all the ports, the Ethernet ports are gig Ethernet ports. Oh, okay. I've got the fiber connection that's ten gig. Well, it's so. only gig though. I mean, you know, who 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 could ever live with that? I mean, you no. Know. <laughs> Hashtag like first H- world problems. H- <laughs> yeah, HD to four K, right? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. So it's like, oh, woe is you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, I have man. all the ubiquity stuff here at the house, and I the, the wireless stuff is second to none. It's really is good stuff. Um, yeah. I, I don't um, have any Ethernet cables or anything in the house, and it would be next to impossible for me to run anything. So. I've got a couple of those and it handles everything well. Yeah. Now you, you just need a drill and hole, <laughs> make holes in the walls and you can run cables anywhere. Okay. <laughs> I, I've got a similar situation to David. I could show you a hole in the ceiling that goes up to the extra room where I put another access point uh, for the kids upstairs. And it is ugly. I bought this, uh, this case still in the bag. Uh-huh. And this is for my wife's sense of aesthetics. This uh, little case, it's uh, uh-huh. like a ch- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. put this up, it'll cover all of the uh, plaster, yeah. or plaster that's knocked out and the ugliness yeah. of that hole and actually make it look a little bit nicer. Now I just need to get up there and put it in. Yeah. So, so Sean, so, so you've put this fiber backbone in your house, okay? You've now got Threadripper upstairs with its 10 gig nick card and you've got your server downstairs with its 10 gig nick now is that an ethernet nick card or is that actually optical in the one downstairs that's ethernet ethernet um, okay. no oh, wait a minute it's op it's uh optical yeah it's i optical. had to okay. do that so i've got, got one sfp plus capable port on the, okay. the switch open now you do you only have one box in the data center downstairs or do you have multiples down there um i've got multiples i some time ago i consolidated uh I built a couple of bigger boxes with like dual Xeons in them and I'm doing everything. I uh, virtualized my domain mm-hmm. um, DCs and all uh, file shares and everything are virtualized. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it works pretty well. Um, yeah. Except when you actually, <laughs> this was, this happened a year ago, uh, a few years ago, actually, I had been running a, a Microsoft data protection manager. Mm-hmm. and protecting all the boxes and shares on my network and it was doing wonderfully now at that time though what i ended up losing was my primary domain controller vm Ooh. okay not a big deal i'll just restore back well you can't it, there's an interesting catch 22 yeah. <laughs> you cannot get that you know basically with sql server uh is the uh storage layer for dpm and i couldn't get that box up because nothing could sign into a domain but i need a domain (laughs) to get the box up so that i can restore the domain you know it was and i'm reading i'm like surely they wouldn't do that surely they would this is why you got to have two domain controllers always, right? I did, but I don't recall what caused the problem at the time. Oh, okay. I, yeah. you know, I, I'm like, certainly one domain controller down is not going to be the problem for me. Um, but 
I think I had all my FISMO roles on that domain controller and I would end up hacking the, the hell out of the secondary to get all the roles over. And I'm just yeah. like, I'll just build a new one. And that's the point at which I actually took my McDonough.online uh, host name and started using that. Okay. And actually yeah. segued pretty nicely going out to AAD to our tenant online. So that's good. Cool. I like that. We're on the cloud and home. Yeah. Yeah, we had a I had a client many years ago who we were standing up SharePoint as their dot com site. Mm -hmm. And we told them, you know, as they as they built out the different zones, make sure you have two AD controllers. Everything's virtualized, right? We told them two AD controllers um, in 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 primary and in DR. And they said, ah, we don't need two. We'll just put one. And um, the, the day we went live. <laughs> right. So we go live Sunday night, Monday morning. Everything's great. Everything's working fine. Monday, a little bit after lunch, I'm like, going to head out. We're all good to go. We start to head to the door, and right as I get to the elevator, I hear this yell, the whole website's down. And we're like, what? So we check, and of course it is. And we're like, what the heck has happened? Everything was working great. And then we find out that basically one of the, the AD controller got hung up, and the VMware just shut it down and just turned it off. And nobody recycled it and brought it back up again. And as soon as it went down nothing worked everything collapsed at that point everything just collapsed at that yeah. point in time and you're just like oh yeah so i i learned that a long time ago always have two ad controllers or, or, use, or use azure ad right i mean <laughs> yeah which and hope your data yeah. center doesn't go down well exactly. I, hope that, that, <laughs> no, I, I i got that i mean you know and, and i will tell you so last episode brian you you and i were talking about the secure score stuff yep. and we were talking about yeah. the stuff that we can do and i went out into my my tenant i have a, a i have a business online or business essentials licenses i don't have the full e-licenses um and so i went out to there and i and i said oh look they have this little button you can click that says make your tenant more secure it's apply these standard microsoft yeah. security things security and i did defaults. that I, I did that security defaults and I'm, I think I'm lucky I'm still married because um, it is for wife. Well, the MFA, we got past that. That was, that wasn't a big issue, but now my wife and both of my kids are having to use the outlook app for email on their iPhones. Oh yeah. Oh, yep. And they hate it. They yeah. absolutely hate it. Hate it. Legacy auth. Goodbye. And, and, and I will tell you, <laughs> to, to an extent, I understand it because what's happened with my wife is, you know, she's had email for many, many years in 0365. We've had it since about 2013 or so. So that's like seven years of email. And she and, and she's been hitting the, you know, art the mark is red, mark is red, mark is red, but not actually deleting them. And evidently it wasn't sending that back up to the cloud because when she pulled up Outlook, it told her she had like 40,000 unread messages. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. And 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 of course she's sitting there going, why is it telling me I have all these unread messages and I can't get rid of them? I've looked at these, I've marked these as red. And I'm like, you know, I feel your pain, but I I, I don't want us to get hacked. So I'm gonna <laughs> stick with that. <laughs> And yeah. did you say Brian told me so? <laughs> you know, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna bust that one out the next time she complains about this. Is, this is all Brian's fault. Okay, this is all Brian's fault. <laughs> it's a quick switch of a button. <laughs> so so Sean, I I have to say that is the setup that you have is like the absolute coolest home network. I've ever heard yeah. of in my entire life. I, I was so jealous many years ago when one of my friends actually put a rack in their in the closet mm. 
of their office and they had like, <laughs> and so they could actually mount like, you know, they, we had, we had gotten some excess um, servers and, and whereas, you know, before they just had them sitting on a table, right? Now they could actually put them into the rack. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, but man, you have just put that to shame the having 10 gigabit transmission yeah. speeds, but, but now, so, you said you're moving around videos and, and, and stuff like that for, for editing. Is there anything else that you're doing on those servers that you're doing internally or, or, or even out to the, to the net? Um, so we <laughs> running a Minecraft server. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. I know um, that too well. <laughs> yeah. So that, as we know, does not require such high speed. Um, <laughs> But the the Plex server, you know, a lot of people, I've got a lot of people connect to my Plex server. So on yeah. any given uh, Friday, Saturday night, typically I'll have, you know, a handful of people who are connecting up watching movies. And I think Plex will actually do a fairly robust stream. You can get like a up to a 20, 25 megabit stream going off of Plex, mm -hmm. which I, I really don't care as long as we can watch our movies. Um, right. So, so I'm, I'm going to have to interrupt you here for a second because uh, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to show my, my ignorance of this whole thing, but I have heard people talk about Plex servers and using them to watch movies and stuff like that. But, but what, what is a Plex server and how does it work? Cause I'm, I'm a little confused here. Um, so Plex is really just a media server. Uh, it okay. started, I've been backing it i bought a lifetime plex pass uh, which is not required to use plex by the way you can get mm -hmm. a free account um, and if you've got friends or people who run plex servers you can be added to their friends list and thus you get access to their media okay. anything that they put up on their plex server but plex is uh, a media source uh, for media that you put on it uh, be that movies uh, television music um, it's more than just, you know, dropping MP4s or movie files out. It does, yeah. uh, you know, it adapts to uh, the connection and the available bandwidth. And so it'll transcode on the fly to uh, step up or step down the quality. Tons cool. of options. It looks yeah. very nice. And there's a client for pretty much every device in the world. Okay. Uh, we watch on our Xbox client downstairs, but there's a oh. PC client. There's a Mac client. There's... It's actually Plex servers. Some of the people running Plex servers in our community, it's embedded on their NAS devices. Oh, wow. And yeah, they put their media on the NAS, and the NAS can serve it up as Plex content. That's pretty so. cool. So, it, and, and, uh, I'm, so the, the, the legal person in me is going, okay, so wait a second. Can you just load anything out there and people can view it, or are there some licensing constraints that you need to be aware of that, that you are responsible for? So like so, if I take if I take my if I take my Blu-ray or the Fifth Element, right? Mm -hmm. um, can I slap that and copy it onto the Plex server, or am I going to get in trouble yeah. if I do something like that? Yeah. How can we get you in trouble, Sean? <laughs> no, 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 no. How do we keep well, him out of trouble? <laughs> the, well, the, the one thing is, it nothing's ever really publicly open. These are people that you're sharing with, so it's considered within that privacy fair use sort of thing. Okay, which gotcha. I know is is legally murky, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but. Most of the people running their Plex servers are like me. They're conscientious of licensing. Anything I put up, um, I've purchased a Blu-ray for. And though I've used legally questionable mechanisms to rip that Blu-ray, um, <laughs> I... We'll, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, believe me, 
when they come for me, they'll have knocked off 80% of the other people out there. I think, for <laughs> it, it's just like I do with the, the music that I've got. Everything's backed by a CD or music that I've purchased. I'm not, you know, free music. Yeah. I don't even use Spotify because artists, in my opinion, get ripped off by it. Um, so yeah. I believe, you know, as a content creator myself in some ways, mm-hmm. um, the folks out there trying to make a living doing this stuff, you know, not so much Hollywood actors, but people in the music space really need, you know, 90% of the musicians are the ones supporting those top yeah. 10% out there. Yeah. I want to make sure those guys, the small guy gets their due cut. And, and I will admit, by the way, Spotify does not pay us very well for this podcast. So just just being being very upfront with that, we are not remunerated very well on Spotify. I, I can't afford a razor, so. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I know all about um, Spotify's lousy rates. Uh, you know, Keith Ritchie is a good friend of mine, and um, Keith has been he's wanted to make a living with the music uh, that he puts together for quite some time, um, and he, I know he's tried numerous ways to do it. In fact, he started his own music label. Oh, wow. Um, and is going to be re-releasing his own stuff on that music label uh, to get more control and whatnot right. over. Uh, but he's had to jump through hoops. And I know that Spotify, he would have so many plays and he'd get like a penny. It was ridiculous. That's crazy. That's just crazy. Is That is kind of crazy. So, Well, we're going to have to think about renaming the podcast to Wayne's World so we can say we're not worthy that is um that is very very true man that is that is just the coolest thing uh i i know some people who run plex servers but it sounds like you actually can like with your first off you got a gigabit into your house now is that gigabit both ways or is it is it significantly slower upload it's 250 megabit up yeah i know it's still plenty of bandwidth yeah Yeah. i mean i've got 45 megabit down so 250 megabit upload would just be like wow yeah i know it's come a long way in a short period of time i mean i remember getting my first 768 kilobit adsl and they would give cincinnati bell was you know kind of on the front end of that they at that point handed out cisco 675 adsl routers to everyone wow wow so you could go into the the cisco os and if you knew what to do like I gave myself more local IPs uh, yep. so that I could provision more out. But, of course, I couldn't change it publicly. Mm-hmm. But I think they got away from that practice. I know at the time because they tried to do a firmware upgrade over the router. So let's try to oh. upgrade the firmware of the device that's conducting the firmware upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so Cincinnati Bell got a lot of those returned to them bricked, and they had yep. to give everyone a new one. Mm, so yeah. That was a hard lesson. When I was living when, back back in the um, would have been in the 90s, I guess um, I uh, b- before we moved to Houston, we we actually I actually had an ISDN line mm. in my house. So, yeah, so channel, bonded, channel bonded. bonded 64K for 128K. The coolest thing about ISDN was it was 128K both directions. Yep. Yeah, that that was that was really nice. And, and when I went to ADSL, you know, I was getting like. I want to say we got like 6.5 down and like 128 back up. Yeah. So, you, you know, and mostly you need stuff coming down. But if you're doing something like a Plex server or if you're trying to stream video out or something like that, I, I can yeah. see how that would be a, a big issue and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the cable modem problem. You swamp your subnet and suddenly nobody else can get anything out. Well, I am. Um, 
I had the luck on the west side of Cincinnati for a while. Um, I had a broadband over power line. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. So I was actually, I, I tried to run two internet connections. Um, most of the places I've lived, I don't do it anymore because it's just cost prohibitive. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, at that point I had DSL and I think I had like six megabit symmetric up and down. That oh, wow. was the nice thing about BPL. But it was such a limited uh, market. There was a company called Current.net out of uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know if they're even still around. Uh, but hmm. they worked with uh, Cincinnati Gas and Electric, which was then bought by Duke Energy. Oh, yeah. To supply certain markets. So I don't know if we were just a test market or if it got broader expansion. That's something I'll have to check out. That's cool. All right. Well, it has come to that time again, Brian. You know what time we're talking about, right? It's time <laughs> for that. It's time for that one last thing. And so, in honor of, of Sean being on board and having like the coolest network ever at home, yeah. we thought we would talk a little bit about um, you know what we've done with the streaming and and cutting the cord. I think I may be the only one of us that actually still has what would be classified as cable TV uh, in his yeah. house because I have UVerse delivering us television and and really. I've only got that because it gives us unlimited downloads. Otherwise, I'm capped at a terabyte per month, and we were blowing that out by about a terabyte and a half every month. Uh, But, uh, Brian, you said you had some uh, – you've actually made some upgrades in that area. What are you doing now? Yeah, well, so I had DirecTV for the longest time, and I I just finally got tired of calling them. And I think once AT&T bought them, it became harder to have that conversation every year. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, you know, I want to get back down to where I was when I started my contract with you three mm-hmm. years ago or whatever. Um, so we got up to where we were paying $120 a month for just the regular cable. You know, yeah. was anything, there were no HBO or anything like that. And it's just a lot of money. And I didn't have an NFL package or anything like that, right? So I was like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna cut the cord. We're gonna cut the cord and we're gonna go to you know a streaming service. So we picked YouTube TV. Um, okay. At the time, it was fifty, right over fifty dollars a month, and okay. they had all the channels pretty much that we had from Directv. Well, here recently, uh, YouTube TV decided that they were going to add some channels and raise their price twenty dollars per month. So now we're paying seventy four dollars rather than fifty four, and I'm like, unacceptable. So I got out the ladder. And I bought myself an HD antenna <laughs> and I was hanging <laughs> off the side of the house, used up all the foil. <laughs> you didn't go the rabbit ears route, man. I am telling you, man, I, I had the foil out. So uh, I had to turn, turn a certain direction on all that. I mean, the, the, some of these HD antennas are actually pretty impressive because some of them will automatically adjust based on yeah. where the station is coming from and all of that. But you know, I get 40 channels or something like that with that, and um, it's worked well for us. And because I had DirecTV before, I already had all the cabling there. Heck, mm-hmm. even the the grounding rod and in the, in the cable for it, you know, it goes into the ground. So, yeah, just plug that thing in, and there you go, man. I got a <laughs> HDTV signal. So I'm going backwards. You guys are going forward. Well, I'm not. I don't know about that. I mean, with me, we we have UVerse because um, it was ninety nine dollars for us to get unlimited downloads in a month uh, yeah. until we get to gigabit. When they get to gigabit, right, they they give you that. 
Okay, but I still don't have gigabit in my neighborhood. I've been waiting for three years now for that. Uh, but uh, they told me, look, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give you UVerse and we'll give you the, you know, not the basic, basic package, but the one that's a little bit nicer. And, oh, we'll throw in HBO for life um, and and HD for life. And I'm like, OK, so that's cool. And we got that for um, uh, 80 bucks a month. Right. So basically for 20 bucks less a month than it would cost me just to do my standard Internet plus unlimited downloads, we got a DVR and, and cable TV and stuff like that. And because we were watching, we were watching all the football games on, um, on, a, an HD antenna. Now, not as cool yeah. as yours. Ours was just the one that you bought that you should plug into the back of the television and hold it up. And, yeah. and, uh, it, it worked, but it, it, it worked remarkably well. My, my problem is I'm about, I'm about 20 to 30 miles from all of the trans transmitters. Yeah. And so I'm right on the ragged edge right. of what I can get. Um, yep. And so having it on on UVerse is kind of nice because I can record it. I have a DVR. I don't have to watch it live now. Uh, and so yeah. it makes things a little bit nicer. So, yeah. so Sean, what about you? What, what do you do when, when it comes to television and stuff like that? Well, the only real television watcher in the house is my wife. And we had cable for a while when we when I got rid of the cable because that was primarily a redundant Internet connection mm -hmm. um, and we got the fiber coming in. Then I went with their package because just packaging, apparently the television service was uh, made the whole thing cheaper. It yep. made no economic sense, of course, uh, yeah. from their perspective, but it's a promo. Um, and then we ended up cutting that. And, you know, after a long conversation with my wife and I'm like, well, what are you watching? And she admitted that it's really nothing other than publicly available stuff. So around that time, my wife had used her TiVo that I got her many years ago mm -hmm. until it's a standard deaf TiVo. And so, you know, you can barely use it for anything anymore. But she really liked that idea of recording programs about that time. Plex added Yep. a DVR capability to their server. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I got an HD home run box. It's got two tuners in it. And I do the same thing, the digital antenna in the window. We <laughs> get the channels we want. Uh, the Plex, you go out to the Plex server and it'll load up your channel guide for uh, everything in your area that you get. Yeah. And you can pick the programs you want to record and they end up going out to your server yeah. being recorded. That's what we do for TV. So we wow, kind of awesome. got the cord. Yeah, that's awesome. All so you're awesome saying I need a Plex server. I need to yeah. add you as a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, <laughs> we watch so little television. Um, but, you know, in the HD, two, uh, HD home run box was maybe 60 or 70 bucks. It's a one time oh, wow, investment. Really? Wow, yeah. And that at all. It becomes a network device. Uh, it's got uh, UPnP, so mm -hmm. if you want to go out, there's an app. You can just watch live television, or you can get it through the Plex. So oh, yeah, that's actually pretty, pretty cool. cool. I may have to take a look at that because we we do want to get to that. Um, we do want to get to that eventually. Is is I, I want to get rid of it of you know get rid of that stuff when we go back to get whenever they get gigabit in my house. Who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do want to get rid of 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 I don't. The, like I said, the only thing we really watch on there is my wife likes to watch the the Chandra shows like Grey's Anatomy on Thursday night, mm -hmm. um, and we like to watch the football games. And yeah. we could watch those, but if if I could plug it up, hook it up to an HD antenna and just record them that way and put them on a Plex server, then man, that would be that might actually get me off the, off my duff to go and install Gigabit in my house or or uh, or or maybe even go fiber in my house like you've got, Sean. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, if you do that, give me a call first. I <laughs> about uh, connectors and yeah. LC and different qualities of LC cable and things like that. So I've well, got all the ubiquity gear, so I'll be calling you. <laughs> well, well, gentlemen, you know, I, I want to thank you, Sean, very much for coming on today. We yeah, really Sean, it. it has been it has been a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, through this process and, and we're really looking forward to um to 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 you know hearing this podcast when we get done so well, i want to say you guys for inviting me of course of yeah, course absolutely. Time. and absolutely. uh, uh i want to remind all of our fans you know uh I, I did actually go out and check by the we i was looking at soundcloud and we were actually getting some 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 uh you know we had like a we had like a couple of hundred uh listens in the last uh in the last month or so so Great. i'm kind of like hey that's actually really yeah. awesome uh, so we, we actually are getting some people to go out and actually, you know, like listen to this. So you can go out to SoundCloud. That's where we host our podcast, right? But you can also get us on iTunes and Google Play and, and Spotify, even though the remuneration is terrible on Spotify. Uh, but um, and this is like I said, this is episode number 20. So I'm actually pretty, pretty excited about that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to, to great things going forward. So uh, say goodbye, Brian, to, to Sean. Sean, thank you so much for Thanks dropping lot, in. You bet. I hope you guys have a great evening and uh, good luck with the future broad podcasts. Awesome. Uh, feel yeah. free to uh, ping me if I can ever help you again. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great.